0: Good morning. My name is Aaron, I am one of the pastor elders here, in case we haven't met, so glad you're here with us. Can't believe Labor Day is behind us, we're well into September, uh, the sun is still gorgeous, but uh, time to get back to things, back to school, and back to routines and something about this season. You know, it's, it's a little different for us, uh, we're empty nesters, and so Brooklyn went to school three weeks ago, we were able to hang out with her a little bit on Saturday, and uh, get lunch with her, and surprise, surprise, another trip to Target, uh, but <laughs> we're, we're glad to be able to do it. And, uh, and, and so she's already been back in the groove, and so we were kind of, a, it was a little different last weekend. We were home. Uh, Trudy had just had gallbladder surgery. She's doing well. Thanks for all the prayers and notes. We appreciate that, and uh, she's home resting uh, uh, one more Sunday, and, um, and, uh, but it was just odd, you know, to not be having to scramble for school supplies and uh, to make sure backpacks were ready and clothes that were all set and and iron, well, I lie to you, like, we never stress about ironing kids' clothes, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but, uh, you know, those kinds of things were in that season. And so now, you know, we kind of have this welcome back home Sunday. People are in routines, and some of you are welcome back home online. We're glad that you're here joining us that way. And uh, that thought of back home means something different to us now. Brooklyn, who uh, is just in Eugene going to college, and she comes home about once a month. Often it's because she's helping lead worship. Our son, Ben, has graduated, and uh, so he doesn't come home, Every three or four months, and uh, and yet it's a bigger moment, especially if we can get both of them at home at the same time. Uh, when I was in college, it was a different story. You know, we traveled 500 miles home, and so it was more than just a, a few hours. And some of you have family that are spread out, and so you well understand that. I think of going to my grandparents when I was young, and, and there was something about going home to a grandparents. You know, we go for thanksgivings or christmas and uh, we lived in cincinnati That's so where i grew up until i was 13 we drive up to chippewa falls wisconsin right outside of eau claire and uh, if you're familiar with the area and as we would drive up there it was always a special time and you could tell that we were getting close because we would always stop at a and w we didn't have an a and In Cincinnati, in Ohio. And so that meant we were close. We're close to grandma's, and we would stop, and we would get a frosty mug with a root beer float, you know, and there's something about that, like, ah, we're almost home, you know, to Grandma's house. And all that would go with that, spending time at the cottage and out on the river and fishing and hiking and going uh, into the woods and that kind of stuff. But uh, something special about Grandma's house was by her fireplace. It was kind of a front room and uh, had a TV, a small TV in it. And then in the middle uh, was was kind of a, a music room, but it also, uh, we played a lot of games in there. The fireplace was in there, and then the kitchen at the back of the house. And I tell you, after... Playing outside in Wisconsin winters, you didn't go to the front room. It was freezing cold in the front room. We would all gather by the fireplace, by the wood-burning stove, and get as close as we could and grab a blanket. Or we would get out the caroms board and set it up on a little stand and play caroms uh, with the cousins and, and this special time together. And that was kind of the hub. Thanksgiving, you know, we would eat, and, uh, and, and then we would, you know, nap uh, and some of the, uh, you know, the uncles were all watching football when I was, you know, seven or eight, and we'd be in the fireplace room playing games, and the grandma would come in, you know, an hour, hour and a half after, is anybody hungry? are like, oh my goodness, no, we're not hungry, and she'd disappear, and we'd keep playing games. Ten minutes later, she'd be like, turkey sandwiches, anybody want? We're all up, and go grab some turkey sandwiches, you know, yeah, because why not? Why not a second food coma uh, this this day? So... But something about uh, those memories of coming back home. So as we come back home and we jump back into the book of Luke, we're taking a different look at the book of Luke uh, from, for this season moving forward in September. And this is a glimpse into the heart of Jesus. And chapter 15 is a perfect spot for this kind of change of viewpoint as we, again, are resettling into this from our summer schedules. And I want to jump into Luke chapter 15, verse 1 reads this. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. Let's just stop there, okay? Let's just stop there and take a second to look at that verse. The tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him. What a beacon of hope and love Jesus must have been in that place and in that time in their culture that what uh, many would say were the worst of the worst were drawn and rushing and coming towards him. And, and we often lot these two people groups together, the tax collectors and the sinners, and, and yet Luke writes this for a very different reason, to tell us how separated they were. See, the tax collectors were hated by just about everybody within the Israelites because they were kind of turncoats. They were, would rob and steal from their own people. And they were despised because of this. And, and you could make money by, by exacting the tax that Rome required of the tax collector. And then whatever the tax collector wanted to get on top of that, he would keep for himself. And they were known for being cheaters of their own people. And they were despised. And then there's this other group that's kind of just lopped together as sinners. Sinners. Looked down upon by the elite, looked down upon by the self-righteous, and within these society, this society, these two groups of people that we often lopped together were totally separated from each other. The tax collectors were rich and powerful, and they would look down their noses at those sinners. I'm not one of them, and the sinners alike, as they were lopped together, would come and say, well, at least... I'm not a tax collector. And so these two groups were in opposition to each other until they are in the context of Jesus. And when Jesus is around, they're drawn together, and they come forward. And Jesus, whatever it was about him, not just the things that he spoke, but the way he was towards people, his very presence would draw them in. Verse 2, he continues says and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbling saying the man receives sinners and eats with them now we have these guys again the Pharisees the Sadducees sometimes you know these two groups of religious elite the scribes who were kind of like lawyers of the day and they really were looking down their noses at both of these groups and saying can you believe that this Jesus welcomes him in welcomes them in and they're grumbling amongst themselves and this group uh, of, sh- of, of should-be shepherds and protectors Uh, would actually bring judgment and guilt upon all the people. And I think they were both simultaneously revered and respected while inwardly everybody kind of held a grudge against them because they would hold these high expectations and lop all these heavy rules that Jesus never laid on people's shoulders, but these religious elite would lay on people. And here they are grumbling about Jesus. And Jesus, watching this scenario, seeing these three very different groups of people surrounding him, his disciples would be a fourth group, and so there's a lot of different activity happening, as Jesus often does. He's like, this would be a great time for a story. And so he jumps in. So he told them this parable, verse 4, what man of you... Having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds him. He starts into the story, which one of you? He's he's relating to everybody in the crowd. If you all, any which one of you, if you had a hundred sheep and ninety-nine were safe and one was lost, what would you do? Wouldn't you go off and wouldn't you find them? I think of this word lost, you know, like, like what connotation in religious circles or, or in religious context does this word lost have? I think it has a lot of negative connotations to it. I think what happens is when the world hears believers or, or those that would say that they are found talking about the lost, I, I wonder if they don't think of us a lot as those Pharisees and Sadducees looking down our nose at those people, remember? Those people. I can't believe Jesus accepts those people and invites them in. They're lost. And the truth is, we deserve some of that. We do. We got to own it. You know, whether it's us or not, or if it was people that came before us, the Christians have given people a reason to feel that way. Let's just own it, okay? Let's live different than it, but let's own that that is the case. But when Jesus, as we go back to this, talks about the lost, he's talking about something very different than that. You know, to be lost, and I think of people, you know, who gets lost? You know, families get lost. I think of, of the couple that was, or the family that was driving through the woods and trying to find their way back in southern Oregon, got stuck in the snow and they were lost. Hikers get lost. I love uh, hearing these stories when they're found uh, of, of, of the masses coming out and of people going and searching and, and of no expense being spared with helicopter pilots and airplane pilots coming out, the Coast Guard heading out into the ocean when a boater is lost, when they've had mechanical problems. I was out uh, uh, crabbing with somebody a number of years ago, and this thick fog rolled in. And he was like, man... I, I tell you what, Aaron, one time we thought we were, we were coming in, back in from uh, crabbing in this deep, thick fog just like this, and he said, we thought we were looking for the docks that used to be south of the Lotus, right? Just, just past there, there used to be docks there, and we were looking for those docks, and we were trying to find them. We thought we were right there, and we found these, these rocks, and, and then we heard this sound, and we realized that we were about to float back over the bar, they're almost 2 miles from where they thought they were. This is boating and crabbing pre-GPS. And that's what he was saying. It's so nice to have GPS and to know right where you're at. And when you're lost, you don't even realize necessarily just how lost you are. I think of the kid. You know, a child who who maybe just is down playing by the river. You know, and, and they're playing, they get distracted by a butterfly, they get intrigued by a lizard and they're following it down a little bit away, a little bit away, they don't even realize they've wandered from what's familiar or, or they think that I'll be able to find my way back, that'll be no problem, Is the story of many hikers and, and they find themselves not recognizing where they're at, not knowing the way back to the familiar, not even realizing how lost they were. And this is the thought of the loss that Jesus is talking about. You know, maybe just wandered. They thought they were going just a little bit. They didn't think it was a big deal. But they found themselves not in familiar territory, not close to home. And Jesus is saying, what one of you wouldn't go after them? He continues, let's read verse 4 again. A man... Uh, of you having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I found the sheep that was lost, just so I tell you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous who do not. Uh-oh. And I think of this, you know, if you did lose your dog, giving it away. (laughs) All right, Mooshka. (laughs) You gave it away. What are you doing? I had a whole thing. How are you? How are you? Thanks, Brad. She can hear me. You know, if, if you see on Facebook that somebody has lost their dog, then you go, oh, man, that's too bad. Right? I'll keep my eye out. Or if a friend of yours loses their dog, then you're going to go out and search with them. But look at this face. Come on. She was shed all over the place. I'm going to have to come in and vacuum. If you lost this dog, would you go out searching? Would you come back and make posters? Look at how cute she is. Come on. She wants to explore a little bit. And This is what Jesus is talking about. Come on. So which one of you could resist this if you lost somebody that was so close to you? Wouldn't you go out? Wouldn't you drop everything? Wouldn't you spend money to make flyers and head out overnight and do whatever you could to find your dog? Carrie, you want to hang out with Mishka? Just bring her back when you come back up. And the listeners in that time, they would have understood it. We've heard this story of leaving the 99 for the 1, and we're kind of separated from it. Because I don't know about you, but I don't own sheep. Some of you, we live here in Oregon, so some of you maybe do. (laughs) But what is precious to you, and what he's saying here is that the thing that is precious to everybody is even more precious to his owner And as he's talking about the lost, he said, who wouldn't go after just, and that's a piece of property, let alone a family member or a friend. And this, Jesus is saying, is how I want to come after you. The owner of the sheep knows its value. It is precious to the owner more so than the stranger. And he says, wouldn't you drop everything to go after him? (laughs) She's a rambunctious one. I'm going to wrap up not too long here. Verse 80 continues. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found that coin that I have lost just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents, over one lost who is found. And repentance is, is sometimes gets a bum rap. What it's talking about is the orientation of a person's heart. You see, our orientation, whether we mean to or not, can easily become about self and what we want and what we desire, and what our dreams and aspirations are, and to repent says to stop going after those things of our heart and turn our hearts back towards God and say, God, I want to follow the things that you want. And he says, there's rejoicing in the heavens when one person reorients their heart towards God. She's going to keep reminding you that she's there. And there's celebration. You know why? Because the angels and the heavens rejoice about the things that Jesus rejoices about, that the Father celebrates. (laughs) I don't know. You got her? Carrie's good. She loves Mishka. And so we continue there in those verses. I hear a number of words and listen to what he says. He says, there's rejoicing. There is joy with the woman. Rejoice with me, calling in her friends. The angels celebrate, and there is joy. And he continues with this language of celebration into the next part of the chapter. And we're going to look at that a little bit differently this morning. And you see, even with this language of celebration... As the heavens are celebrating the things that are at the core of the heart of Jesus, then we have to understand our own place and why that is because he is saying, welcome home. You see, we are citizens of heaven. We're being welcomed back into the presence of where our true home is. Philippians 3.20 says, our citizenship is in heaven And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And so if there's no place on this planet that is truly our home, and if we consider this our home, then guess what? We're lost, and we may not even realize it. We may not even realize that our heart has been oriented towards the things of self and not towards the things of God. In the meantime, when we're thinking about other non-believers bringing bringing God's will as as we work and orient our hearts towards him, that we are giving them glimpses of heaven also. This is what Jesus talks about as the kingdom come. As his will is done on earth as it is in heaven, his kingdom is brought into the presence of others. In today's verse, we get a glimpse into the heart of Jesus, the Jesus who the lost are drawn to. And if you haven't been here in a while, I just want to say welcome home. You know, if you're, if you're joining us online, welcome home. You know what I remember heading home and other times? You know when you're shopping in Eugene all day? I hate shopping. I hate going to Costco and the mall and all that. And then you turn that corner of and you're like, oh, we're almost home. Right? What about vacation? You ever been on vacation and have a fun time? Well, that's just going to pop out of nowhere. And you're having a great time, and you're vacating, and you fly home, and then you hop in your car and you hit bonita and it's that familiar road. And as fun as vacation was, you just kind of want to be home, right? Like hitting A and W and getting a frosty mug. We're almost home. There's something about that feeling of of being there. And, and I tell you what, last week I said that we weren't. We were watching online. And Drew's uh, healing enough from surgery, and it was great. But it's not the same. It isn't the same. And if you're watching online, we are glad that you're here. It isn't the same. <laughs> it's not the same as being here. And there's something about sitting with God's people, even if they're strangers. Today, don't let that wrap up this way. Let's not be strangers. There's something about the feeling that, that this is a glimpse into the heart of Jesus. This is a glimpse into what heaven is going to be like. There's a reason that it feels like you're just settled sitting here. It's because you're being welcomed home and this is just the beginning. As we go through this hard life and their hard days ahead and their difficult times, and yet to have one another to rely on, Brian saying, Hey, if you're not in a community group, I encourage you to. He You don't have to walk this alone. I know it's dangerous. I know it's scary. I know it's risky, but risk it. It's worth it. Welcome home. You see, Jesus' heart is for the lost. Those who've lost their bearing, those who've wandered knowingly or not away from what was familiar, away from what they were created for, away from a heavenly purpose. And he said, that's all right, welcome home. Jesus' heart is turned towards those who would leave behind their own desires and would orient their heart to his desires. And guess what? You get to be a beacon You get to be an ambassador of that. You get to bring the kingdom come into your neighborhood, into your home, into your workplace, into your sports team, into the places that you volunteer. You get to give people a glimpse into the heart of Jesus as your heart is oriented to his. And so we have work to do of inviting people back, of of telling them what they were created for because they may not have ever known You see, we're going to take communion here in a minute, and then there's a a third parable. You see, this communion makes me think of uh, Grandma's fireplace, you know, gathering back. We gather back to this place. It is the hub. It is the core. It is the center uh, of our time together as we remember Jesus' sacrifice, that he went through this, and we have these cups the bottom, there's a cracker representing his body that was broken on the cross. There's juice representing his blood that was spilled. And this was the price that was paid so that you could be welcomed back home. Because there's nothing we can do in our own power, and our own strength, and our own working year after year after year, we will always fall short. And Jesus is like, don't worry about it. I've already paid the price. I've already taken care of it. And so this morning, we're going to watch this third parable in a little bit different fashion. And during it, I just want you to worship. And you can take the communion as you please as we come together in this hub of why we're together. But before I step off stage, Mishka would like to say, welcome home.